0: What is up you amazing listeners and viewers tuning in from whichever platform you like to get your podcast from. I'm your host Chronic from the Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube and I'm back with an all new episode of the Cannabis Chronicles podcast brought to us by Visionary Hydroponics and TNB Naturals. Be sure to smash that like button, comment down below and follow from whichever platform you like to get your podcast from and hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. I know it's been almost two weeks and I have totally uh, not posted an episode. Life has got the best of me, but we're back today. And in today's episode, it's going to be short and sweet, straight to the point little tips and trick from, uh, your boy chronic, <laughs> uh, some tips and tricks for myself and just like some preferences, I guess, personal preferences that I'm pheno hunting and just what I look for, how I go about things, uh, when it comes to pheno hunting, uh, and leaf traits, uh, with pheno hunting, cause that is part of pheno hunting. So, um, I'm going to break into that and This week, you guys and gals will get a double upload or a triple upload because I feel so bad about not having posted. So I want to make up for it and I'll be giving you guys some extra cannabis content. So uh, without further ado, we are getting back into it. Um, The plants in the garden doing good. I've accidentally killed a couple of the DWC plants. One of them, I actually have no idea what happened. Legitimately, I I really don't. Um, The only thing I could think of is uh, somehow oxygen was lacking. Um, So I've adjusted a bunch of things. I've I'm checking pH, which after this podcast, I'll be going and checking the pH of all the uh, the reservoirs and just making sure everything's good. The clones are looking very healthy. So I'm not worried about the clones. Those are coming in really nicely. Um, so honestly, all in all, everything's doing good. Um, I'm not really too certain as to, uh, like I said, the, the one that died, like I said, I think it's oxygen. Other than that, I really don't know what would happen, but to get into this episode why am i talking about all those well a lot of these plants in my garden i'm pheno hunting through or just honestly testing i like to test any plant that could potentially be a mother for me um just to test out genetics traits uh, resilience you know all sorts of things so all these various tests um Can happen at various stages and I like to do them at all sorts of various stages and I have I have a preferred set of tests that I actually like to do and each these tests are all done at various specific stages so that I can test the resilience at those stages where I know most novices make those mistakes such as whether it be drought testing flood testing light stress heat stress um you know maybe breaking a branch topping high stress training all all of the above so i pretty much the entire smorgasbord of everything in cannabis right now as far as like which training techniques most people are utilizing um pretty much all the hiccups that you could think of ph lockouts toxicity uh imbalances just everything and anything i try to think of and from the time that they're a healthy seedling so like a a like like a juvenile stage like right after seedling um, i start doing these various tests whether it be a little bit of wind whether it be uh starting to pinch the stem once they get bigger just to see how resilient these plants are how they react all sorts of things once i get to a certain age and establish roots then my next tests are generally going to be the ph imbalances the lockouts the all sorts of those types of tests that are more root based early on because of many novices actually mess these things up early on. And if you don't have like a stable strain, strain with hardy genetics, most of the time strains early on will die from a lot of mistakes if they're not like quality genetics. So this is why for my personal strains that I'm breeding, I pretty much put them through a test. Now, how do I keep track of all of this? Well, a notebook is a good one, but I personally, I just use a Google Sheet. It's really easy. I keep track of all the tests that I do. Uh... If they pass the test, yes or no, any additional notes on that, um, the ranges that I've kept them in, if it's a pH test or anything like that, just the variables I always make sure to write down essentially. So I can see across the board which plants, which strains did good with which test. Um, the, from pH imbalances and toxicities, I generally like to move towards the uh, drought testing um, flood testing. So drought testing is where I don't water them for up to seven days just to see if they can survive. And then flood testing is the opposite. So I just flood them for about seven days and see if they're resilient enough. Um, what this does is it shows me novice mistakes. You know, if someone goes out of town, will my plant be hardy enough to stay alive? If uh, someone overwaters, will they it be hardy enough to bounce back? Um, so far, all the strains in my garden right now have passed that test. The ones that haven't, obviously, they're dead. <laughs> they called themselves. Uh, and what that means, and I, I don't mean like called like talk on the phone. Cold as in C-U-L-L-E-D. They called themselves from the pack, so they ended up killing themselves. <laughs> um, so, well, I guess I killed them, but oh, well. Anyways, their genetics were not what I was wanting phenotype wise, I guess, because they weren't strong. So that's the point of a pheno hunt. And uh, not every cannabis plant is going to be the strongest plant. That doesn't mean every cannabis plant in a seed pack isn't good for medicine. Like if you're buying a feminist, feminized seed pack, most of the seeds should grow relatively almost identical with like the same, the same compounds. But you you might have like a variation here or there. Or a pretty excellent straggle you know, random seed that really produces a little bit more. Um, but the point of phenol hunting is honing in the the traits that you're seeking to, you know, utilize for whether it's medicinally or if you need a really hardy straight for a uh, really hardy strain for outdoor purposes or indoor purposes or whatever your needs are. Um, the way I try to breed my strains is I, I try to put them through every test that I can think of indoors that. I would I would experience as an indoor grower of any circumstance. And um, I have friends that are have outdoor areas that I'm, I'm a, gifting clones to to test the um, survivability of outdoor to see if the terpenes present in the plant actually uh, promote pests to them. So if they're going to be pest resistant, or if they're going to influence, you know, more pests to come to the area because of the terpenes present. So that's something you need to consider. So there's an array of of kind of tests that happen at all stages. And I like to time mine to where I do one to two tests that relatively can stack. So if it's a drought test, I'll usually do uh, an imbalance test with that. So if I am uh, not feeding before I haven't fed, I usually knock it out a range to like seven or five, uh, 7.0 pH or 5.0 pH. And I let it see what happens for the next five three to five days. Usually, um, I mean, these types of imbalances go hand in hand and I like to actually give it a real life grower mistake error and see if the plants are hardy and hardy enough to uh, respond. Um, some of the tests I tell people about, uh, some of the breeders i talk talked to are actually like, damn, bro, you really try to kill your plants here. Um, yeah, they, they get put through the, the ringer. Um, they're definitely, it's not like, a uh, or they get put to the test. I think, I don't know, whatever they get put through the test. You know what I was trying to say? Um, but they're not, I don't want to breed plants that aren't sturdy or hardy and have quality genetics. You know, you don't want them to herm. So these are all good. These are all good tests to really, uh, test the capacity of your plant. Now in flower, um, I usually take clones that specifically are for, I'll have clones that are for flower testing, meaning I'm growing them to the best of my ability, no mess ups whatsoever, just growing the strain as best as I can under the most proper conditions and then testing the medicinal benefit of the flower, the trichome production, all that fun stuff, terpenes, all of that good stuff. And then I'll have clones where I take and I flower them and I just beat the ever living crap out of them, whether it's drought testing, pH imbalance, all of that, just to see what they produce, how they produce, being beat up, and i do all those tests in flower as well i keep note that way i do have a good idea of what to expect if a novice is growing my strain and you know a real you know i can give them a real idea behind of what you should what you might yield if you have these mistakes or errors versus if you have a perfect run so those are the kind of like the phenotype test that i do and um it literally is everything and anything you can think of. You know, accidentally beheading a plant, I consider a test. I just did that to my one of my clones of the Glue of the Gods. I took it as a test. It's a high stress test. You know, it's technically mainlining. Um, or it's, you know, it's like an accidental, severe super crop if you were to pop it back. Same thing with the stomberries Berries accidentally happened, and I was able to scotch tape that one back, and she's been doing perfect. So These are all tests when I have accidental hiccups like that, or I go and fim a plant versus a top, I see how it responds to the fim versus the top, how much it comes back, did it like it, all of the things that I'm keeping track of, I'm keeping track of my Google sheet. And these are all, these are all tests that matter. Because every single cultivar is going to react differently. Um, you know, cultivars with similar parent lines will probably act react similar. And if you're a breeder using the same parent line to create your lines, the goal is to create uh, similar phenos where you have, and I say similar phenos, like, you know, you want different leaf traits, different buds, but you want the same phenos when it comes to resilience of stress and light stress and all that fun stuff, you know, pest resistance, everything like that. So, um, you know, there's probably a list of a hundred plus tests just indoors that an indoor breeder can absolutely do and check off their list to make sure that their plants are happy, healthy, strong, and good quality genetics. Um, You know, alongside all those tests of beating up your plant, those tests also go along with looking at internodal spacing the leaf shape how large the leaves are how large the fingers are are the fingers long are they elongated to thick fingers are they thick to skinny are they massively thick all the way around are they jagged are they not jagged are there double fingers are there mutations are there um six fingers seven fingers 13 fingers you know there's all these various traits that we have in cannabis that go between dominant and recessive genes based on the parent lines, which is why as a breeder, if you do plan on breeding cannabis, the best way to go about it is getting back to the original lines that you want to create. So if you were trying to create or recreate your own version of a popular strain today, like a Runs or something like that, the best way to do it for your own self, in my opinion, is go back to the strains that created runs that we know today, pheno hunt through those parent lines, find yourself the parent lines with the proper terpene traits that you're seeking, Combine those lines and make yourself your own version of runs or whatever it may be. And then that way you can hone in your own terpenes, your own profile, and that is your variation of version of it. Um, that's a little better because then you can spend your time doing that. It's kind of what I'm doing actually with my glue ball um, that I breed I bred with Sour Temple Chunk um, to create Glue of the Gods. I'll be actually recreating glue ball and re-honing in my own variation of glue ball. And um, pheno hunting that so that I have a breeder glue ball, a kind of like a permanent one or or like a permanent line of breeder glue ball that I'll be proud of that I can also release as a parent line. So I'm working on a lot of things and these are the things as a breeder you have to think of. Because in genetics, it's not as simple as putting two plants together and the outcome being just, you know, a hybrid 50-50 between them. You know, their dominant traits and recessive traits could be very, very different. There could be a lot more dominant recessive traits in one line versus another line, depending on how many um, hybrids or interbreeding happen with that, if it's an F1 versus an F7 or F11. So there's so many things that go into it. And um, when you're pheno hunting and when you're working with lines like this, Uh, you really want to just kind of make sure that you do it properly, meaning you take your time to perform all the tests. You make sure all your tests that you pretty much do in veg that you also do in flower so that you can see how, what point your plant will herm. because that is a test you also want to do is like stressing your plant to the hermaphrodite point to see how much it actually takes to hermaphrodite your plant. Um, those types of tests, if you're wondering how I do that, uh, high stress training while it's flowering. I'll do some super crops on some branches the first two weeks of flower. I'll see if it puts out any pollen sacs. I'll let that heal. I'll let it go more. And then generally, like the following week, it'll be like a drought test or a flood test. And then the following week will be the other one, you know, whichever one I didn't do. So they get two weeks or three weeks of essentially. Well, it's like a month-long test right there where they have one week of healing in between certain tests. And then after all that, I give them a week of healing and then they go to 24 hours of darkness, then straight to 24 hours of light and then back to 12-12. And and if they don't herm at that point, they pass my hermaphrodite stable test. So like essentially those are all tests that very, very, very rapidly will hermaphrodite um, most genetics that are not super stable or like even really stable cannabis can herm out that way so i try to forcefully do that to my genetics to prompt sex to, to see if that phenol has a very high resilience to hermaphroditing. if it can take that accidentally 24 hours on or 24 hours off and the reason i do that is because there are plenty of times growers accidentally have power outages um, or have to go out of town, like I said, or just have hiccups happen in their garden where their lights go out or stay on or their timer fries, all sorts of things. So, uh, I try to account for everything with my test, and that's really what most breeders should do: uh, is just account for every novice-type mistake. Um, when you're getting into veteran growers, a veteran grower should be able to take even semi-stable genetics and get them to run through the grow without issues. You know, the unstable genetics that are going to harm out on you no matter what. That's a whole other discussion. That's improper breeding, and that no matter what kind of grower you are that strain is probably just improper genetics and it's not going to do good for you um but most breeders or most veteran growers i mean um if they're giving good genetics whether they be like your average home breeder that's kind of just like playing with pollen uh, most of the time as long as the, the the stuff they're using um to start you know genetics to start aren't bad you Most veterans can take a seed and grow it to finish and make it look really nice. So when, when working with cannabis, it really is more so trying to stabilize these phenos with, for me so that novices can grow my strains to the utmost like like that their their ability will allow them when they're learning and then also so veterans can take my strains and absolutely blow them out of the water with the knowledge they know because i pheno hunted and tested all these resiliences and strains and and with all this resilience and stress test these veterans and and better you know the more knowledgeable growers that have more experience and have had more seasons under their belt can actually take the strain and run with it and showcase it or you know really utilize it whereas the you know the novices learning with my strain can still enjoy beneficial medicine at the end of the day that's going to put out a product that they can enjoy and feel proud about but you know they're not harming their plants or you know some sometimes lines will you know you go to practice on a line and you you can't even germinate some of the seeds because even even the seeds aren't hand picked through that's a whole other pheno test that I do all of my lines are hand sorted seed lines. Uh, that's actually a test, you know, that I go and look at every seed. Um, and you're talking about, you know, the mothers that they're spraying or utilizing for the pollen aren't passing these tests. You know, they're just popping into soil and they're just growing them and flowering them and they've not, you know, stress test them or anything. It's important to do all these things okay um, novices grow cannabis and no- novices grow great cannabis trust me I've seen some really first time grows second time grows that were phenomenal um, but you know knowing that most novices across the board make mistakes and knowing what mistakes those novices are making are going to be key in helping you, with your test that you want to do. So, if you're a breeder listening or an up and coming um, enthusiast that wants to get into breeding, you need to kind of pick your route of what you want to do in cannabis. For me, I'm trying to create strains that not only novices to experts can grow, but these novices to experts are actually getting true medically beneficial strains. Like, I'm not really going after trichome numbers here. I'm going after cannabinoids. I'm going after terpenes present. I'm going after all the things that actually matter when it comes to medicine, you know, CBG, CBN. I forget all the other new ones that are coming out that they find. (laughs) But all the cannabinoids and terpenes and compounds and just all that good stuff. Don't don't get me wrong. I would love to have some strains that are like 28, 29, 30%. That'd be really cool, right? It's really cool to see the frostiness for sure. Um, But that's more of the rec side of things. you know. That's the euphoria part. And I'm on the... Uh, can- cannabinoid part if i can get the two to come together amazing that that's a great goal that's always a goal right so um but for me the goal is to really shoot up the medical compounds so that the even if it's a 15 to 18 to 25 percent strain it hits harder than any 40 percent strain out there so there's different ways to go about breeding cannabis and um the final thing about this which is the phenotypes of leaf traits this is one of my favorite parts of it so this is there are so many uh, tests that I just talked about where you, I think you have to do as a breeder if you're going to say that your strain's stable, you know, commercially stable or across the board stable, or just say it's stable, um, stable enough to breed with. Um, but one of the fun tests that is completely a pin, that's all it's one thousand percent your your love, whatever you are into, and that's the fun. It's the leaf traits. There are so many leaf mutations out there with cannabis and just plants in general, but specifically cannabis. There's so many single finger leaves, trio leaves. There's the wild like uh, fern type leaf. That's like the shapeshifter freak show. Um, I mean, high grade mutants uh, and uh, terpes mutants or something like that. Uh, Listen, just follow... uh, High Grade Mutants. It's the Shapeshifter page where they post all the Freak Show, the original Freak Show and stuff like that. Um, I'm actually trying to get High Haley to come on a podcast for reviewing reviewing Ruderalis because I'm working with her on Breeding Project and she's actually sending me original Freak Show F1s and f 2 So I'm hyped on that. Um, we're doing a little trade thing. It's going to be exciting. Um, so essentially with that, what I'm saying is there's so many leaf mutations. If you guys want to check out those Instagrams, check them out. They're like, if you're wondering what you can do as far as cannabis leaves there's so many options and that's another cool thing about picking lines to bring into your line so if you're really if you really truly love like certain mutations that you know maybe it's like an Australian bastard uh, cannabis mutation or a Frisian duck mutation or maybe you really do like the freak show ma- mutation or you're a sucker for super jagged almost sativa like 13 leaf plants long fingers and you really want to get like a coastal haze into your line well that's where you can go and do your due diligence to research and kind of work your way to getting your hands on true. C- that are the coastal haze or the, you know, the, um, what are the freak shows from uh, shapeshifter or, um, you know, the, the Australian bastard cannabis, um, which you can get a lot of, there's a couple of different people you can get those from. And same thing with the Friesian duck. Um, but you know, whichever one you want to choose, then you have to learn how leaf mutations work. And that that right there is a whole the process of pheno hunting in and of itself, because now you're working re- with recessive traits. And most of the time in a lot of these mutations, the males hold the key for the genetic mutation of the leaf shape, which allows the it to become dominant versus recessive I don't know if it's that way in the fern trait, like for Freak Show, but I know it's that way for the Frisian Duck and the Australian Bastard cannabis. I know the males are kind of the ones that have the prominent leaf traits. And I grew an Australian Bastard cannabis cross, and it actually did showcase in my mail that I had that I had pollen from. Um, it's called Drunken Bastard, um, but it, the leaves were unbelievable. It was like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. It was so cool. Um, and it's really unique to have that leaf trait and pollen that I can go ahead and push for and make become a more dominant trait in lines going forward. So these are the things that you have to think about and just know that when you push those lines into it, you're bringing terpenes and compounds present. So this is why breeders say lines can get muddied because you just don't want to stick it willy nilly in. um, And that sounded very terrible. You just don't want to stick lines willy nilly into your lines. You want to pick lines that match the terpenes and compounds and cannabinoids that you're trying to bring into and that will only help promote you know, if you, if you have a mercine heavy line, try to find a mercine heavy mutant that will go into your line or a pinning heavy mutant that will pair with mercine um, or even karyophylline, something like that, um, that will do really good. You know, it's where you start trying to pair everything under the sun that really muddies the line and things don't really get to shy, showcase or shine. Um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take plants where they already showcase terpene traits and I'm trying to bring plants that have... Uh, those same terpenes, maybe one different or, or two different and bring them into the line to kick up just the amount of terpenes present in, overall in those lines of whether it be <clears throat> myrcene, alpha or beta pinning, karyophylline, limonene, linalool, anything that I'm trying to get as far as terpenes, that's what I'm trying to do. But leaf mutations are so fun because you can do so much with it. Like my glue of the gods, super, super jagged on this first uh, glue of the gods. The other glue of the gods I'm growing is very thick. So she's like the or uh, he or she is like the father. So the father was extremely uh Indica or mountainous, like very thick leaved. And then the mother uh Sour Temple chunk that I used was actually very, very sativa-like, very thin, jagged fingers. So the F2 line um was created Uh, The Sour Temple Chunk F2 line is a hybrid of those, but when I bred the Glue of the Gods, I used the Father to breed into a female Glue Ball. So I actually have the Indica going into the glue ball which was a hybrid that showcased more jagged leaves and more sativa on the leaves but the bud was definitely 1000 percent indica it was a very heavy hitting bud um so it was really unique to see and now i'm seeing kind of that hybrid leaf where it's like very thin at the start to a very thick finger at the end with super jagged uh, edges and the leaves are absolutely massive so showcasing that mountainous type of uh, capability, getting massive fan leaves, putting out those big, thick fingers, but also showcasing that coastal um, kind of trait with the jagged, very, very jagged leaf edges. And I love that. And even with the jagged leaf edges, there's mutations within there where you can get double jagged or double serrated edges or triple serrated edges I've even seen sometimes. Um, And you can get really unique with leaf shapes. So leaf phenotypes are extremely fun. Um, most of the leaf mutations out there are going to be a recessive genetic that you have to bring forward as a dominant genetic. So it takes several to multiple lines to work in, you know, multiple years of working. Um, but some of the best lines, like I said, are like Shapeshifter's Freak Show, the Australian Bastard Cannabis Strain, the Frisian duck Strain. Um There's some really cool ones out there. So I I would say follow the high-grade mutants that I was talking about. It's a really cool Instagram page. It's the shapeshifter stuff they share and everything. It's really awesome. So without further ado, that was pretty much my spiel. I'm no, listen, when it comes to breeding, I'm not the best there ever was. I've only been alive since 1995, and I've only been smoking cannabis since I was like 14, 15. So I'm only 28 years old. I don't know everything under the sun. Um, there's people like Jorge Cervantes. There's people like um, Kyle Cushman, Steve D'Angelo. There's people like Victoria and Will Ruland. There's people like Subcool. Rest in peace to Subcool. Um, just so many breeders out there. I mean, even like seed junkies, or um, you know, just the in-house genetics and just various genetic sources of Mephisto, FastBuds, Atlas Seed, all of these genetic companies that I talk about, and, re- and specifically even Atlas, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a big shout out to Atlas because as far as transparency go, I love seeing their videos of their farm, and they showcase their farm constantly, and they showcase what they're doing on their farm all the time. It's really cool, and they have a really amazing setup, but um these genetic companies have been around for a lot longer than i've been breeding cannabis or teaching it so um these are just this is the knowledge that i know this is how i go about staying um organized in my garden these are the tests that i do um am i the the, the know-it-all and the, the guru behind reading absolutely not and uh, am i the standard or staple for breeding? absolutely not um i've I've heard a lot of breeders who do listen to my show, um, including some of the bigger name breeders. They do enjoy some of, uh, a lot of the things I say I have to say. Um, and I mean, some of the things they might disagree with, and that's totally fine. And I say some things that I have to sometimes go back on because I've round my knowledge off on. But most of the time lately with these breeding episodes, I think every m- most of the bigger breeders that I've been t- chatting with are pretty much on board with the fact that uh, there needs to be standards for breeding seeds at this point because... You know, the community, it, 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 pollen chucking, there's a right way, there's a wrong way. Like I said, I've talked about this many episodes before. If you just randomly pollen chuck bad, crappy plants, bag seeds, you don't care what you're doing. You don't care how many males are in the room. You're just chucking pollen. And you just don't care. It's terrible. And you're selling seeds like they're the bee's knees. Yeah, you're a problem in the community. If you're just tossing pollen on your plants to produce seeds for your own stock or share with your friends, no, do, do your thing. If you're buying pollen and you're the high-end pollen that you're purchasing, you're putting onto high-end cuts or strains that you're doing to work with, that's good pollen chucking techniques. I'm sorry, you're working with you you've sourced good genetics. That's okay in my book. But the the thing is is we need to have a standard of testing for the parent lines so that we know for a fact that that pollen was quality and that that female is quality. Um, you know, all the tests that I talked about today, every single one of my plants go through male or female, it does not matter. The males do not get a, uh, uh, like a pass, you know, and I absolutely note how much pollen, how rapidly my males produce, because there are two pollen male pollen. There are two males that pollinated more rapidly than any other males in my garden. And they did it within a week of showing sex, which was insane. So, those types of genetics are sometimes key to producing and unlocking trichome traits or upping trichome percentages or upping cannabinoids or terpenes so there's so many that so much that goes into breeding all I'm trying to say is this is this is how I kind of do things I'm just letting you into my like little setup and how I'm doing things um, I'm sure there's someone out there that could probably complain about how I say things or do things or set up things or I'm not doing this test or I don't have access to this test um, at the end of the day the best way to the literal best way to say that your strain is commercially stable across the board no matter what for any type of grower is to have a facility where you have access to pretty much every type of grow medium and set up whether it's aeroponic aquaponic cocoa soil outdoor indoor greenhouse where you can test all the different uh variables essentially so How someone like myself, who's an indoor grower and a small time breeder who has to do it, I take my cuts and I gift them to specific people that I I meet along the industry. And these people generally have facilities or farms that they can work my strain or uh, work them out in a larger operation. And they allow me to see them and they share the results with me. And um, what's been. It, that's a cool process. And that's one, that's pretty much how you have to work as a small time breeder. Um, but with me doing that, that allows me the opportunity to go and actually pay for testing on these strains that go to these facilities to see on a commercial standard, what my plants are actually testing at under their parameters and dialed in uh, setup. So these are all, and, and I could talk for another hour on the variables and all the things that come along with breeding cannabis, Um, But these are some of the phenotype tests that I do. These are some of the traits that you can look up as far as leaf shapes. Like I said, it's super cool. You can get single leaf mutations, triple leaf mutations. You can get all sorts. If you look at the single finger leaf mutations, they are so unique. And the triple leaf, uh, triple finger leaf mutations. They're very, very unique. And for those growers who are trying to be gorilla growers or conceal your grow outdoors because you got to keep eyes off of you, fern types and uh, those various types of, uh, you know, Australian bastard cannabis <clears throat> or just the various types of plants that have the mutations to the leaves are honestly great options for gorilla style growing because most people wouldn't even know they're actually cannabis plants. Some of those plants don't even look like cannabis, they straight up look like ferns. So Um, that's kind of going to be my spiel today. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to hit that like button and comment down below. If you did enjoy or have any questions, uh, be sure to subscribe or follow along from whichever platform you're tuning in from. So you can show some major love to the sponsors that make this show possible. Um, you know, I know I was, I missed a week and this is the, I missed technically yesterday. It's Thursday today. So I'm so sorry. I will get back on schedule. Um, and I will be back every single Wednesday as your host Chronic from the Cannabis Chronicles on all streaming, pla- ma- all major streaming platforms <laughs> and YouTube. So without further ado, much love, happy fetal hunting, everyone, and peace.